Hello, I am Kim Pitzer, Superintendent of the Miami Trace Local School District. Welcome to another episode of the Panther Cast, where we discuss topics that make Panther Nation MT proud. Today, I am sitting down with Miami Trace Curriculum Directors Nicole Fatika Mavis and Ann Berger. Well, hello and welcome to you both. Thanks for joining us today. And Nicole, let's begin with you, if you don't mind, just share with our listeners your background and how you came to serve in the role as curriculum director for our elementary. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me. Um, I am starting my 18th year in education this year, and it feels like it's been not quite that long, but that's okay. Um, I started out in intervention at Miami Trace um, back when we had seven elementary schools. Um, I transitioned into third grade and then into third grade math and science. From there, I was an assistant principal for five years um, and also a preschool director for two years. And that led me to where I'm at today, which is elementary curriculum director. And what is it that really drew you to the curriculum position? I love that I've been able to see a lot of different aspects of education. And I think for me, going into curriculum was kind of like one of the final puzzle pieces to seeing the whole elementary school experience. So for me, it's been a great opportunity to see the whole picture finally. Thanks. And? Yeah, so I've kind of been around um, at different schools. At heart, I am a high school math teacher um, through and through, and I taught most of my time at a career center um, with juniors and seniors. From there, I moved on as a um, high school instructional coach with just a high school math department at Springfield High School. And I really enjoyed that job working and growing teachers to grow students. And then I went to Madison Plains as an assistant principal and a principal. And while I love my time there, um, when this position opened for secondary curriculum director, I saw time to get back um, to my love of instruction and working with teachers to grow kids more on that end of the administrative role. So it got to combine both my, my worlds together again. Serving in the curriculum director role for eight years um, here in the Miami Trace District, I found that curriculum is really sorted into three main areas. We have our written curriculum, which this district quickly um, labeled pacing guides or pacing maps. We have our taught curriculum, which involves and those strategies you just Mm -hmm. mentioned, instructional strategies. And then we have our assessed curriculum. Uh, the word test comes to mind, and we hear that quite often. For our listeners today, let's talk about um, the work behind what we really teach. Would one of you mind sharing with uh, our listeners again about the written curriculum and how it's designed in our district? Absolutely. Our starting point is always going to be our state standards. So Ohio has local control, but they have state standards when it comes to education. So we start with our state standards and we look at what they're really asking our students to do. And then we look at our curriculum resources on what's going to be the best way to teach that standard. Um, We have a lot of different options when you think of um, a very simple elementary lesson of persuasive writing. There's a lot of different approaches they could take. And um, but we always go back to our standard and um, making sure we're reaching those. Okay, and and how might these curriculum maps differ when we go to developing them? Um, I'm sure, Nicole, what we experience in a kindergarten curriculum map is definitely different than maybe what we do in a senior comp. 
Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. But I think that an effective pacing guide is going to have the same main components. So the content may differ from grade level to grade level and content area to content area, but you're still going to have the same meat and potatoes. So your instructional strategies may be a little bit different from first to 12th grade, but the components of the actual pacing guide is going to be the same. Do do you find that teachers run up against obstacles when they're working on these written maps? Absolutely. <laughs> and, and what are some of those? Time is one. We are constantly reevaluating our pacing guide and our maps to make sure that we're addressing where our kids are and what tools are going to be best utilized to serve them. I agree. We're always looking at our data and lining it up against our pacing guides to see if the resources we used were getting our kids to where we want to be. So that's is is there any freedom in in developing or devising a pacing guide? Does it does a teacher really have some freedom when it comes to that? I think they have freedom in how they deliver. Teaching's an art. Um, and we all like Nicole and I will look at a same standard, but we all approach it differently, even though we're both math people. Um, and that's our personality. And, um, and when we deliver instruction, I feel like this is the most exciting part, um, of instruction. So we all are very diligent about using our curriculum that we have purchased and it is research-based. But I think that the fun part comes when teachers get to bring in their personality, their experience, their energy, and, you know, all of the little tricks that we teach our kids to remember those things in our lessons. That's how I feel like they get their freedom is how do you present it? And I think that's an exciting part. The how. Yeah, absolutely. The processes. Do you find that the when we talk about the taught curriculum that they're sharing across grade levels and across grade bands when it comes to different strategies? We're really lucky that we have teacher-based teams, and there's very few areas where there's only one teacher teaching that subject. So they get to work together um, and, and talk about what they feel that that standard means, but also share resources and uh, make sure that no matter which teacher the student has, they're all getting the same material um, for the next level. So we've highlighted the written, and we've recently just discussed the taught. What about the assessed? The assessed curriculum, all those tests that we have. Well, we do have a lot of tests. Some are diagnostic, some are formative, some are summative. And these are a lot of words for people that may not be in the education world that they may um, be able to follow with us. But diagnostics are done three times a year. We do a fall, winter, and spring. Those tests are there to help us see where students are and where they're progressing throughout the year. Um, Those are not graded. Those are just used for data purposes for us to see where our students need to grow. Um, We also have formative assessments that are um, quick usually. It's just a quick little learning activity. Um, Those are also meant to guide our instruction, just like the diagnostics. Our summatives are our big tests. Those are the ones where our students are showing us what have they really learned. And again, that data piece is still used to help us drive our instruction, figure out what we need to go back and reteach um, and what we're ready to move on to. 
Well, you mentioned reteach. That's built into weekly activities. It is monthly activities. It is it is weekly. So we just talked about this yesterday at all of our TBT teams. <laughs> so the reassessment process is very important because we know that not all students are going to get it the first time. So our teachers are constantly looking at that formative data that we just talked about and the summative data. And when we see that a student is struggling, they need a little bit more help. They're getting pulled to the side. They're getting a reteaching moment and they're being given another opportunity to reassess and show what they've learned. Our middle school and our high school also have reassessment. Um, you'll see it in our middle school and what the students will call IE intervention and enrichment time. And then the high schools use their Panther time every other week to have reassessment with their teachers. Um, we talked a lot about like formal assessments, but our teachers are constantly assessing our students and our curriculum informally too. And they can do that through their class discussions. They can do it through um, what you might hear is project-based learning or problem-based learning. Um, back when I was younger, that that was a lot like when we were in the school store or we did um, a community project and we made posters and we talked about problem solving for it. So um, our assessments can look a lot different depending on the classroom. That's great that you bring mm -hmm. that up because that's something that maybe our listeners, um, they're used to computer-based tests now, our students mm -hmm do many of their assessments on computers, but what other forms of assessment when it comes to an elective class that's truly hands-on? Yeah, well, you what think of our bands. We use? Our bands are doing um, productions, mm -hmm. um, and, and they'll record themselves and send it to their instructors. So um, you got me on the spot, Miss Pitzer. <laughs> think about art. All yes. of our art classes, yeah. they're doing various projects that are not going to be assessed through right. a multiple choice <laughs> test, thankfully. Um, you can look around our campus and you can mm -hmm. see some of our digital media being put to action with our signage throughout the district. Yes. And then also our um, video broadcasting class and students are out in the public um, helping with those big scoreboards. The performance-based <laughs> measure is is definitely valid and, and important for our students as well when it comes to the hands-on. How difficult is it to maintain the alignment of all of these areas in curriculum? Again, I feel like it's an ongoing thing. We have to continually be looking at how we're meeting those standards and what tools are we using and we're adjusting and we're we're editing what we thought we were going to do so it's very much a moving target it is and it's back to our teachers working together um, they truly are a team and figuring out are, are we aligned and if we're teaching our standards and our assessments are aligned to our standards um, they're built in vertical alignment but um, it's it's not always easy because we have our passions. We're human, and we get excited about topics. And um, but we always need to go back to our standards. And before you know <laughs> it, it's a book you love or a chapter that you enjoy, and you're in it double the time that you originally planned on the written guide. So yes, <laughs> yes, we can understand that. Anything else the two of you would like to share regarding your roles as curriculum directors in the district? Well, we always like to talk about it. It's not people, a lot of times, and my grandfather say, what do you do again? Um, but uh, I think we're definitely a support person, but also a leader. So it's a fun balance um, in our role. We support our teachers, but we also lead them to make sure they are aligned. 
I know in the elementary world, kids don't know what I do anymore. They're like, are you still a principal? So what I tell the kids in our building are, I am a principal of learning. <laughs> so Very good. for them, yes. they yes. understand that. And um, yeah, we're just, I'm very thankful to have the opportunity to work with our staff and our students in different capacities. So it's been a good journey so far. Excellent. Well, here's the creative twist to the closing. If you were to write a book tomorrow for students in your age band, what would the title be? I'll go first. So I'm a little nerdy and I acknowledge that. And I'm always going to be the math gal. So I've been reading and I've been thinking about, because being a former teacher at a career center, always thinking about, we used to always ask kids whether they want to be when they grow up. And I think we need to like start shifting that conversation with our kids with a book of like, what types of problems do you want to solve? Because we all solve different types of problems. Like it could be math or data or patterns or it could be um, social problems or service problems, but our jobs changed. Nicole and I's jobs have changed a lot in our, tw I've been, you're 21 now, but um, we're still solving problems, just different types. So your book title is? Well, it's not very exciting. Um, <laughs> I'm not the creative one all the time, <laughs> but what types of problems do I want to solve? Excellent. I like it. Well, so you're the self proclaimed math nerd is that what you said math well nerd? i don't know if it's self-proclaimed it's just it's who <laughs> i just am are, okay it's who i am it's okay well so i will go ahead and <laughs> preface mine with i am a hippie <laughs> and i love everyone so my book title would be you are so loved and i mean that because if a child actually feels love then they're able to learn. If they're sitting in a class and they don't feel love at home, they don't feel love at school, they're not ready to learn. So that would be my book. Bestsellers, both of them, <laughs> both of them. Thanks. Well, thank you again for joining today to share your roles in this very, very important area in our district. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of PantherCast. We hope you will join us again in a couple of weeks as we sit down with Andrea Johnson to discuss this year's fall play. 